Would you join with me in prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to lift up your name in song, to, to lift up our needs and our praises in prayer, to lift up your word. Thank you, Lord. Just pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to you even as we open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, I read that Navy SEALs, the uh, special forces in the Navy, uh, have, have several different conditions of readiness that are color-coded, and that's the way that they, they tend to organize it. So there would be like, like condition white is that a soldier is completely oblivious of what's going on around them. They're just totally chill, and they're not concerned or aware of anything. That's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Sometimes you just need to check out. You just need to just kind of relax. They're on R&R. They're at home with their families. They're just relaxed. Condition white. Chill. Condition yellow is they're physically relaxed, but they're mentally alert. They're like on base. They're not on R&R. They're on base, but they, they know they're not in a combat situation. But they're, they're aware. They're still soldiers. They're still prepared. They're still Navy SEALs. Condition orange is when they say, no, no, I am trained, I am mentally alert, I am physically ready, I'm able to go into combat. I am mentally and physically prepared for all of this. And then there's condition red. Condition red is everything that condition orange is, but with experience. I am mentally aware, I am physically prepared, I am trained, I'm ready for combat, and I've done this before. Because I don't care if you're the best trained newbie guy out there, you're not going to be entirely prepared. Even though you might have trained for it, you're not going to be entirely prepared until you have seen combat, right? Something that they say in, in boxing, and I can, I can attest to this, um, everybody's got a plan until you get hit. After that is when the real boxing match begins. Everything leading up to that, you're like, ah, boom, oh, what? You know, and then you have to stop and think. So condition red is you've been hit. You understand what combat is. You've been there before. You know what you're doing. You're mentally prepared. You're physically ready to go. How is that germane to us as Christians? If I can cheat, because I know we're in 1 Peter 4, and feel free to turn to 1 Peter 4, but if I can cheat a chapter from now, Peter will warn us in, in Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you, do you believe that? Or is the Bible, I mean, it's, good, it's there's some fairy tale elements. There's no such thing as a real devil out there you're not really do you believe what the bible is saying or is it more like eh? do you believe what the bible is saying if you actually believe that there is an adversary out there prowling around like a lion waiting and ready and prepared in condition red waiting to devour you then you're in a combat zone aren't you aren't you? You need to live like that. Well, anyway, Paul told us we're at war in this world, but not, not with people.
people. In Ephesians 6, he says, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are at war, but it's not against the people around us. It's against evil itself. Do you, do you believe that, or was Paul just paranoid? Do you actually believe that? Do you? If so, then we're in a, we're in a combat zone, right? We truly are. Every day, you're in a combat zone. Do you live like that? Where would you put yourself, spiritually speaking, as a Christian, on the Navy SEALs combat readiness scale? On a daily basis, are you basically conditioned white? You're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just kind of doing my thing. I really don't think about being in any kind of war zone. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just at work, or I'm at home, I'm going shopping, I'm just, whatever, it's whatever's in front of me, and I'm okay. Is it condition yellow? No, I know we're all soldiers. I know there's a battle going on. I mean, I'm not in it right now. <laughs> I'm not dealing with anything, but I'm, yeah, no, yeah, no, right, we're soldiers for Jesus, sure. Are you condition orange? Nope. I am fully aware that this is a combat zone. I am not necessarily supposed to feel comfortable here. I am dodging bullets and things. I haven't actually, not, not right now, but I mean, I'm, I've never actually really engaged. I'm still learning, so I'm still new with this, but I, I get the concept, and I'm, I'm in the battlefield. Or you condition red, where you go, nope, nope. I know full well that we're in combat. I know full well that on a daily basis, I'm in a battlefield. And I have dealt with this, not just badly, but I've actually dealt with this well. I know how to deal with this in a godly, biblical way because I've done it. White, yellow, orange, red. And any given time you go, red, well, white today. You know, where are you in that in general? If you actually believe we're in a combat zone, if you actually believe that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour which condition should you strive to be in? White? I want to be oblivious to it. Yellow? No, I want to be aware of it and do nothing. Orange? I'd like to be aware of it and prepared for it and not actually engage with it ever. Please have not done that. Or red? No, no, I've survived it. The scars I have show I've survived attempts to damage me. Where should you strive to be? And how should you prepare yourself? I mean, we can look to Ephesians 6 for the armor of God. We've actually talked about that not too awful long ago. We can talk about putting on the armor of God and being prepared for combat. But today we're in 1 Peter. And, and maybe instead of just talking about the accoutrement, I want to look at what's the attitude of our hearts? How do we mentally prepare to be in condition red? How do we do that? Because you're in combat every day. Every day. You go, well, no, not every day. And if you say, I don't feel like I'm in combat every day, let me back up. Do you feel battered by the world? Do you feel pounded on by the world? Do you feel hardships and weight of it on you and go, wow, I just feel, oh, then you're in combat and not ready for it. Which is to say, even if you get ready for it, you might get pounded on. But I'm like, if you go, I 
don't feel like I'm in combat, and yet I still feel pounded on. I'm like, then you're just unprepared for it, but still in combat. So what does Peter say? Because I want to look at how we as Christians fight in this world. I want to talk about that daily transformation. So if you find yourself going, ah, oh, so Kevin's going to be all militant. And you know, yeah, I need to roll up my sleeves. I need to be aggressive against those people who are trying to fight against the church. You don't understand First Peter at all. That's not where I'm going with this. Because that's not the kind of combat we're in, and that's not the way we fight. It's not even the enemy we fight. So, 1 Peter 4, hopefully you're there, right? Okay, 1 Peter 4, verse 1. Therefore, and I have to stop. What's the therefore, therefore, right? There's a context. He's like, before I launch into what I'm saying, I have to remind you of the context, which means I have to remind us, because with him, he's just basing on what they literally just heard. With you, it was last week, and nobody remembers my sermons from last week. So, Last week, we just got finished talking about the suffering that Christ did on our behalf and as an example to us. 1 Peter 3 says it's, it's better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You're going to suffer, so what do you want to suffer for? For doing the right thing or doing the wrong things? For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And then for the next several verses, he unpacks all of that for a little bit. But Christ sent us this ultimate example of a good man suffering for doing good things for a good God, and God's still bringing victory from that, right? If God could bring victory from the cross, from the death of the Messiah, I'm sorry, what minor skirmishes are you going through in life going, I don't think God can use this. Really? Christ made proclamation of victory after having been deadified on a cross. You had a bad day. How can you show Christ in your bad day? That's the context of this. So when he's talking about how we prepare for this combat, how we arm ourselves, he's like, because I'm talking about how you deal with the sufferings in life. That's the context of this. How do you deal with your really bad day? What kind of a witness are you showing? What kind of a soldier? And are you prepared for how to respond to that really bad day? Is God still sovereign? He's sovereign over the death and resurrection of Christ. Is he still sovereign over Tuesday in your life? Anyway, you don't want to get yourself into this relaxed and comfortable mindset that you lose sight of what you were supposed to be training to do. Therefore, given all of what we just heard about Christ suffering on our behalf and the ultimate victory over death and sin, which is the same kind of enemy we're facing today, right? How many of you on a daily basis deal with physical decrepitude at various points? I mean, Steve and I were just talking about that on the way in. He made fun of me when I said I feel old and he got out of the car. He's like, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. How many of you on a daily basis have to deal with the ripple effects of living in a broken and very sinful world and perhaps even having that in your own life. So basically, you know what I'm talking about if you actually stop and think about it. Sin and death, the very things you and I deal with on a daily basis. Therefore, given all of that, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. A military term, arm yourselves. I need you to train 
and be prepared to know how to deal with this stuff. Arm yourselves. This is combat. This is not a metaphor. You're in genuine combat, and you need to be prepared. And to be honest, most of us aren't. Most of us spend most of our time sitting in conditioned white, relaxed and comfortable in the world, and trying to feel comfortable in the world. How can I drag my easy chair into the middle of the battlefield so that I feel more comfortable here? Is there some way that, can I wear like slippers on the battlefield? How do I make the battlefield more comfortable? And you go, perhaps not the way to look at this, but somehow I want to make myself feel comfortable. So it's like all those times in life where you get flat-footed, you're caught flat-footed by pain. You're like, cancer? What? Wait, somebody I love died. What? I got fired? I have marital problems? Yeah. Yeah. That's only been happening since literally Eden, isn't it? Isn't that basically part of when they left Eden, God's like, by the way, it's all going to get complicated. There's going to be sweat and pain and difficulty and people aren't going to like each other as much as they're supposed to. Oh, there's your son. They're going to kill each other. You know, it's the way it's always been. And I'm not even being negative. Yeah, yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying it's raining when it's raining. If you don't say it's raining when it's raining, it's not that you're being positive. It's your kooky. This is the way life is. And you have three basic choices. Nah, easy chair. Yes, I wallow in the pain. Well, apparently all those verses talking about having joy are also aware that this is the world I live in. Now, which of those basic stances do you think Peter is calling us to? I'm completely unprepared for pain. Pain is all there is. It's going to hurt, but um, here's how you get through that. Hmm. All right. Since Christ suffered in his body, I want you to arm yourselves with the same attitude. Arm yourselves. Load your weapon every day. You go, I don't, do I have to do I have to think like that? Do I need to work on that? Do I need to do I need to train every day? Do I need to be in the word of God every day? Do I need to be praying every day? Do I really need to be thinking like every day is a combat zone? I don't know. Not necessarily. If you were a if you were a soldier, do you have to load your weapon every time you go into battle? I would, but that's just me on account of I'd like to survive it. Yeah, I would train every day. Arm yourself, seriously, all the time. Remember the context, because he's saying, this is the preparation for suffering. How do you deal with the fact that life's not fair? Is it? Do good people get all the good stuff that they're deserving in life? But that's not fair. I'm aware of that, yeah. You know what else life isn't? It's not fair. Praise God. Because I don't get what I deserve at God's hands, do I? So the very part of me goes, 
That's not fair. Bucky got a cookie. I didn't get a cookie. Life's not fair. You can't just be happy for Bucky having a cookie. There's a whole parable about that, by the way. But I can also sit there and go, yeah, yeah, life's not fair. I get heaven. I didn't earn that. I get God's love. I didn't deserve that. Praise God, life's not fair. See, that's still acknowledging the suffering and the unfairness, but having a different attitude. It's not this one. It's not this one. It's the middle one. Anyway. So arm yourselves with this basic attitude. Don't ignore it. Don't wallow in the suffering, but realize that in the midst of it, God is still God. History takes a left turn from our plans, but God is still God. Bad things happen that we didn't expect because we forgot we were in a war zone, and God is still God. People we care about die, and God is still God. Since even Christ died and suffered in his body, he says, Peter says, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Actually, I should probably stop there. Um, is Peter saying that if you suffer enough, you no longer sin? It doesn't even make sense. You know, it's like, well, if I, if I poke you enough times with a stick, you stop sinning. I'm not sure how that would go. That's not what he's saying. We're going to keep sinning. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. We're going to keep screwing this up. All of us sin. It's part of our old nature that we're not supposed to be doing, which is why they keep having to tell Christians to stop doing it. But Paul says in Romans, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't do that. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Instead, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. It's not that you never sin. It's rather you're no longer slaves to that. That's not who you are anymore. You can be, you have been, as Christians, transformed. And so Peter says, since even Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because he who suffered in his body is done with sin. You don't have have to be a slave to that anymore. You're not shackled to that anymore. That body of death does not own you anymore. I suppose if you take that far enough, you really want to get morbid, If you suffer enough in your body, you'll go to heaven and you're done with sin altogether, right? Is that morbid? Sounds morbid. Because to the natural mind, the one thing you don't ever want is being dead, right? So if we say, no, actually I'm looking forward to being dead. I'm not looking forward to dying. Don't don't misunderstand. But I'm I'm looking forward to being dead. If I say that, people go, wow, that sounds morbid or nihilistic or even suicidal. Kevin, are you okay? It's not natural to think that way. You're right. It's not natural. It's not morbid. I'm not suicidal. I'm not nihilistic. I just know this is the worst time in my life. These 50-some, 60-some, 70, if I can make it, years in this place that's the worst time in my life the best time in my life is all the stuff that comes after that i'm actually looking forward to that part not because i'm suicidal don't get me wrong i still have books to write 
but because I know the end of the story. And I keep that in my mind. And I want to arm myself with the same mentality that Christ had, that he could face the cross for the joy set before him, right? Isn't that the attitude that he's telling me that I should have, that I should arm myself with? Because that's part of how I fight. It's a different way of thinking. We, when we think we fight, we go, oh, aggressive. I'm like, well, part of how I'm arming myself is to go, wait, I need to think of the joy set before me. That's part of how I fight this battle. So, this isn't a natural mindset. It's not something that people would normally think of as citizens in this world. It's something that we need to, to actively train ourselves to think through, to think differently, to let the Holy Spirit transform us to think differently. And as a result, Peter says, he who has suffered with Christ doesn't live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, which is kind of what Paul was saying, but rather for the will of God, which brings up a good point. Paul and James and Peter here are reminding us that the only people in this world that we actually fight against is ourselves. I'm not fighting against that non-Christian that hates the church. Am I? I think Paul said not. I'm not fighting against that Christian who was a twerp to me the other day. Should I? Doesn't the Bible talk about how I'm supposed to interact with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Should I be fighting against them as if they're enemy? The only time that I can think, really, where the Bible, and it does this consistently, it tells me in the New Testament about fighting somebody, it's me. I war against my own self. I war against my old spirit. I war against my own human desires. How do I fight against me? By arming myself with the same attitudes that Christ had when he faced really bad days, right? I need to stop and think about this. I love it. James said, the brother of Jesus, grew up with Jesus. James told us that peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness because what causes fights and quarrels among you? In general, what is it that causes all that? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? What causes your fights and battles? You go, well, she didn't. No, 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 no. That's how you got the bruise on your shin is because she kicked you. That wasn't a fight. That was an assault. It turned into a fight when you kicked her back. What causes the fights among you? Well, because you couldn't get past you. Do you believe that or is James just being negative? Does he not understand that she kicked you first? You ever dealt with somebody in an office that was being a real twerp and you're like, oh man, I am so torqued at them. I'm so mad at them. I raised my voice. I said, you need to get your act. They made a mistake. It became an altercation because of you, right? I'm sorry, bad pronouns because of me. I do that. Do you actually believe that? Or is James wrong? If you actually believe that, then you know that you're in a combat zone every day. How many of you take yourself with you every day? Most of you. Some of you not. Cameron, we need to chat afterwards, man. Um, <laughs> a little dissociative there. Um, 
most of us take ourselves with us every day, which means you are in a combat zone every day. And if you believe that, then you need to believe that you need to be, well, not in condition white. As Paul puts it in Galatians, I love this, that God has transformed us. He's gotten us past us. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not just me anymore. I'm not just me. I am released from this slavery to sin, this slavery to me. And I no longer have to live according to that old sinful nature I used to have. I love how Peter here in chapter, because we're in Peter 4, I love how Peter says, you've spent enough time in the past living in that sinful nature you used to have and doing what the pagans choose to do, living in, literally, as you used to walk among with them in, you used to blindly live like you belonged in this world, like this sort of thing is natural to you. You've done that long enough, doing this debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing, detestable idolatry, primetime network television stars originals um but you've done enough of that and and there's all sorts of things he could have listed but he listed a whole bunch of things that are stuck in the just focused here and now doing the stuff that feels the most for you you have been so focused myopically on this enough take the blinders off life is bigger than how you feel today the suffering you feel today the ecstasy you feel today the fear you feel today the joy you feel today life is so much bigger than that arm yourself with the mindset that life is so much bigger than that get past that you've done all that you need to be mentally and physically and spiritually and prepared and alert to fight you're in the field. And your old friends are going to think it's strange that you don't plunge with them, that you don't sprint with them into the same flood of dissipation. If you're doing it right, the people around you are going to look at you funny and go, what's wrong with you? Oh, they also might do that if you're doing it wrong. I mean, if you're mean, if you're a jerk about it, they might say, I don't like you. But even if you do it right, they might go, I don't get you. I do not understand this. They'll think you're bizarre, different, that you've changed. You're not the guy I used to know. You're acting like life is incidental. You're out of touch with reality because you are dissociated from their reality increasingly. You're looking at things from a different perspective. As I've said so many times, if you aren't feeling like a square peg in this world's round hole, you might be doing things wrong because people around you are not going to get it and they're going to heap abuse on you, Peter says. Because all round holes are more comfortable with round pegs. And if they can get you to round off your edges, that's what they would prefer. And if you, this is the most terrifying thing, if you are so desperate to feel like you can stay in condition white, that you round off your own edges, so that you never feel like you're in any place other than the easy chair, then you become part of the problem. I become part of the problem. We become part of the problem. I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? You go, some days. Okay, in general, do you want to do that? In general, do you really? Because it doesn't make the combat go away. 
Jesus back in Matthew said, blessed are you, joyful are you, when people insult you, when they persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Not because you poked them with a stick, but because you said you love Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, because you're called to be a square peg in the world's round holes. You are not called to round off your edges. You're, you're called by God's grace and in his strength to square off the holes. At least the one around you. Maybe the one nearby. You've spent enough time, Peter says, you've spent enough of your life in the past doing what the pagans, the non-Christians, the people who don't know the Lord choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. This focus on sensation. They think it's strange you don't just sprint with them into the same flood of dissipation. They're going to heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. They're going to have to give account to everybody, who, to God who created everybody to be square pegs and is going to account, hold all of us to account for the rounding off of our edges. And this is nothing new. It's not like, yeah, this is modern. No, this has been going on since Peter's time. He said, for this reason, the gospel is even preached to the people before my time, but the people who are already dead now. Back when they were still alive, they were, they were so that they could be judged according to men regarding to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. It's always been this way since before my time, Peter says. They can kill your body. Men can even crucify your body. But God gives eternal life to those who focus on him, who put their faith in him. One ancient book said, though in sight of men they were punished, their hope was filled with immortality. I love that. To say, wait a minute, I know where my mindset should be. I know what my attitude should be, and I arm myself with that by training myself every day. Every day. Because the end of all things is near, Peter says. How near? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a week from now. It might be a month from now. It might be a hundred years from now. I might not get through the movie I'm going to watch this afternoon. So when exactly should I prepare? Which day should I be ready for? Do you know? I don't know. It's almost like you're in combat. Did the enemy go, 3 o'clock this afternoon, that's when I'm going to be sitting behind that bush and shooting at you. Is that, that, what, that the way that goes? rarely so when when you're on the battlefield should you be ready for combat all the time that you're actually on the battlefield you should be prepared for that if if you want to survive that's just me though the end of all things is near he says there is no condition white day live each day in condition red as much as possible you don't want to blithely drift into that kind of condition therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled i want you to be mentally aware mentally aware i want you to be trained to be disciplined i want you to be condition orange condition red that's why why so that you can what does he say pray does that really fit the theme 
It's like spiritual warfare. I don't need you to be prepared. Arm yourself to deal with this. Why? So that you can pray. I thought it was so that I could beat up a bad guy. No, it's so that you can pray. It can't be right. Did I read that right? Suggest you can be, yeah? Because apparently, apparently, that's really important. Arm yourself with this readiness that you can really engage with God. You can stay in communication with God. You can stay connected. Make sure that you have Christ's mindset about life so that you can keep connected and keep training so that God can keep arming you so that you can keep having Christ's mindset about life. You know, you've heard of the concept of the spiral, you know, that there's a downward spiral. There's also upward spirals, right? Do something right, and the more right you do it, the righter things get, which makes it the righter way of doing it. Sometimes you, sometimes you feel very lost and unprepared in life because you weren't thinking of it right. But this is your field manual. It's designed to keep you alive. Prayer is your walkie-talkie to the command HQ. I don't know. It's, it's designed to keep you alive. You want to stay in communication. You want to engage. You want to keep doing that. It's when you blithely drop your weapons and wander into the battlefield without them because you just didn't want to think about it that way. That's when you get hurt. And that's when the people standing next to you on the battlefield who are depending on you get hurt. Because it's never just you, right? The end of all things is near, he says. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. And above all, okay, so all of this, so whatever you do, make sure, and if you, you can't just stop there, right? Whatever you do, make sure that under no circumstance, oh, never mind. It's like, no, I want to know, under what? Where is this leading to that Peter goes, this, this, above all, absolutely, absolutely, where this is all going? You go, I, I'm on pins and needles, Peter. What do you want to tell me? Above all, <sighs> fighting a good fight. We're in a combat zone. All right. Above all, love each other deeply. Combat, arming. That can't be, does that fit the theme? Does it? Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's a war zone and he's talking about potlucks. Because isn't that what fellowship is? It's potlucks, right? She's the food deacon, right? Isn't that the way that works? What is Peter's point here? It's like, guys, you're in a war zone. You need to arm yourself with the right mentality. So fellowship, man. Genuine fellowship. It's not just potlucks. It's not just shaking people's hands halfway through the service. I don't know why Pastor Kevin tells me to do that. Real spiritual people, they want to read the Bible and do a Bible study and discuss theology, and I'd like a name for that doctrine. They're not as interested in messy things like relationships with other people. Is that what really spiritual people do? Really, really spiritual people that you know, they would never just focus on genuine engagement and connection with other people. They're too busy thinking deepy stuff, right? Peter says, if you're really spiritual, then you know that one of the main things you can do to arm yourselves is koinonia, deep, engaged fellowship, deep, radical connection with one another. 
Stay connected. Engage. Know the people around you. Be vulnerable. They need to know your strengths that they can lean on. They need to know your weaknesses that they can help you with. Be honest. Engage. Really, really. I talked about Navy SEALs before. You know what? Navy SEALs just never train alone. There is no part of the Navy SEAL training that is by themselves. It's always as a unit. Every part of it is always as a unit. The Navy SEAL team is only as strong as the team members. A team, a chain, is only as strong as its weakest link. The strength of your team is critical. So Navy SEALs know it's ridiculous to go into a battle alone. No Christian should go into a battle alone. How comfortable would you, should you be in the field knowing the person next to you does not have your back? How comfortable should you be going into the field of battle knowing the person next to you says, I will take a bullet for you and I will never stop paying attention to what's going on around us to make sure that we're doing this right. I love you and I'm here for you. Seals eat together, they bunk together, they do everything together because they understand the importance of koinonia. Are you, are you in a combat zone? Do you believe that? Do you live like that? Are you connected to others? Or are you only tangentially connected? You're only tethered. You're in condition yellow, sitting over in a base somewhere going, I'm not really in combat, but the rest of you, how can I help? I'm always amazed when Christians separate themselves from their brothers and sisters because they don't want to feel vulnerable because they're frightened. I I do get the fear of vulnerability. I get that there are way too many times that we have hurt those that we're trusting us. But going it alone, isn't that when you are truly vulnerable? I was telling somebody the other day, the uh, Peoria firefighters recently said that uh, they're feeling overwhelmed with the number of, of uh, calls that they keep making about mental and emotional wellness. They're like, when you think of firefighters, you normally think fires and kittens and trees. But they're like, Half of our calls are people who are like, I just can't even with life. I'm emotionally distraught. I, I, I feel unwell. I am feeling suicidal. I, I can't. They're like, like half of them. We, we are overwhelmed in the last couple of years with people who are like, I am all alone and I can't handle it. Somewhere in there has got to be something we can learn from. You were never designed to be alone in this fight. And the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do when you are feeling overwhelmed, when you are feeling broken, and you are feeling terrified, is to crawl in a hole by yourself and say, I hope I can just survive this because you won't. That is the way you die. And the worst thing you can do for the people around you is when somebody comes up and says, I'm unprepared and I'm hurt, I've been shot, help me, is to go, no, and shoot them yourselves. We need to be vulnerable with one another and we need to be gracious with those who are being vulnerable with us. Because we are a combat unit. And we need to think that way. We need to arm ourselves with this mentality. 
I'm amazed when Christians go it alone. It damages you. It damages your unit. It damages the body of Christ. And especially if that disconnect comes from if you feel like your needs haven't been met by the body. You go, well, then I'm removing my ability to meet other people's needs. Well, that's the worst thing that you can do. I get it. But what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So you kill and you covet, but you can't have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. Isn't that what James says? So if you don't get what you want, what should you do? I don't know, maybe engage with people that aren't trying to shoot you. Talk with the people who love you and say, help me. And the people who are trying to shoot you, even within the body, go, please stop. But I don't want to just start sniping back. I don't want to go crawl in a hole and dis- disconnect myself from the body. I'm doing Satan's work when I do that. Satan's a finite being. He can't be anywhere and everywhere all the time. I don't want to free him up to go attack somebody else because I'm doing his work for him. I don't want to do that. But that means that we have to build a community where grace is the norm. It's the knee-jerk instinctive reaction to this. It's the muscle memory to dealing with pain is grace. Love. How do you develop muscle memory? Help me out. Anybody that's ever been in the military or in sports, how do you develop muscle memory? Practice. That's a good one train for it once a week for half an hour train yes that's how you really build that physique every day train every day build this into you every day the worst kind of people are the ones that go no i've got it i don't need to train don't do that and above all love each other deeply peter says because love covers a multitude of sins didn't god's love cover our sins isn't that the whole point of what happened on the cross he's like do that seek peace pursue it be of one mind with one another let your love cover over all that so that you're not focused on that that's that's a battle plan love them offer hospitality with one another without grumbling it needs to be genuine from the heart not well fine no genuinely build that community genuinely do this a real grace each of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully administering god's grace in its various forms be humble first and foremost serve and if anyone speaks he should do it as one speaking the very words of god serve with your words even and think would jesus have said that to him and even if he would would he have said it that way stop and think about what you're doing i screw this one up all the time if anyone serves he should do it with the strength god provides not the limit of your strength or your grace, but the limit of God's strength and God's grace. Lean on that. Because your strength is going to fail. You're going to screw it up. You're going to get tired of doing it. This is going to feel unnatural, and you're going to get exhausted, and you'll stop, which is the wrong thing to do. Why should we be doing this? What is the whole point? What does he say? Why are you doing all of this? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And that's not something you do once a week on Sunday morning. You, you pace yourself. You do this all the time in all that you're doing. Arm yourselves every day so that you're doing this in every day because to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And that's how we fight. And that's why we fight. That's the battle we fight. Is to say, in all of this, because I'm not here to survive this place, 
I'm not here to stay here indefinitely. I don't want to stay in this broken place indefinitely. I'm not here to begrudge this place and say, oh, this stinks. I'm here as an ambassador of a better place so that I can tell my fellow this place people that this place is not all that there is and to praise God for that. Not ignoring pain, not wallowing in it. Not being negative, not being Pollyanna. I want to acknowledge the rain. And I want to tell people, it's not always going to rain. That's the fight. That's how we fight, and that's why we fight. So it's up to you. It really is. It's up to you. Condition white, condition yellow, condition orange, condition red. Where should you be? How do you get there? That's up to you. God says, I want you mentally prepared, spiritually alert, physically trained. I know that every day of the battle, and I want you to fight it right for my glory and find joy in it. And I will train you. Beloved, let's be trained. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that you don't candy coat it, but nor do you wallow in the negative. Lord, I know, I know this isn't what you wanted for us. We screwed up what you wanted for us. I thank you that you have bled out for us to wash us clean and to give us not only the tools, but the example of how to get through this life with our faith intact and our witness engaged. Thank you, Lord. Help us to follow you and to live in the readiness that you ask us to. In Jesus' name and for your glory.